Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for being along with us today. We're very pleased to have as our very special guest on this latest episode or latest podcast of The Road to Rural Prosperity, Senator Jim Inhofe. Oklahoma's senior member of the Oklahoma Congressional Delegation, talking about several things. We talk a little bit about where we are from a congressional point of view on this uh, Supreme Court ruling that has gone against Oklahoma regarding tribal sovereignty. We'll get into that. We'll talk about uh, some of the uh, legislation that the uh, senator has been involved with. He's uh, been a co-author, principal author on when it comes to agriculture. We'll talk about the CARES Act. We'll talk about the HEALS Act. We'll talk about WOTUS and why he wants to run for yet another term. All that coming up here in just a few moments on the Road to Rural Prosperity, powered today by Bank First, loyal to Oklahoma and loyal to you. We'll return with the Senator in just a few moments after these messages. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Thanks for being along with us today on the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. I'm very pleased, very honored to have along with us today the senior member of the Oklahoma Congressional Delegation, Oklahoma's Senator James Inhofe. Senator Inhofe serving first in the U.S. Congress from the Tulsa area and then for several terms now as a member of the United States Senate. Today, we're going to talk about a variety of things that he's been working on in recent days. Before we talk about some of those legislative things going on right now, I want to first of all look at this Supreme Court ruling that Oklahoma's congressional delegation most certainly is going to get involved with. The Supreme Court ruling against Oklahoma, the Oklahoma versus McGirt ruling that uh, indicated a tribal member from the uh, uh, Creek Nation, the Muscogee Nation, uh, was not bound by Oklahoma law when it comes to a criminal matter. That particular ruling has sent shockwaves across the nation, and especially here in Oklahoma, what it mean not just for the Creek Nation, but for the other civilized tribes that have, have inhabited at the time of statehood much of the eastern half of the state. 
Senator Inhofe likely to be pulled into that. Uh, Governor Kevin Stitt saying almost certainly it's going to take a uh, a move in Congress to solve some of these issues and get Oklahoma back to where it was before the Supreme Court ruling. Senator Inhofe, I know that you've uh, you've been talking to some folks already. What what what's what are you understanding? What what what's uh, what's your take on what's going on regarding this particular Supreme Court uh, decision? First of all, it's primarily a state uh, issue that was, they were watching it closer. But when the decision came out, what it did, it went back to statehood and said, "The now we're we, we're going to be looking not at the state, but at the the uh, Indian population, the the five tribes." I have now talked to the the uh, chairman in some cases, and it's a chief in other cases of all five of the tribes. And they've all said they started off with a meeting with the governor right the day after this decision came out. And everyone was in agreement at that time that that would take some uh, legislation to make this happen. Well, after they all went back, uh, the Choctaws, Cherokees and Chickasha's all agreed that that would uh, that would be the case. However, the Seminoles and the Creeks did not. So I've talked to them. And uh, they are they are getting a lot of pressure. Anytime you have a major change that comes about, particularly from the United States Supreme Court, people think of that in terms of how much does that mean to me? How much money will I end up getting that I'm not getting currently? And there's so, so many ambiguities, nobody can answer that question. And so uh, right now you have everybody, just take the oil and gas industry, they're looking now to see... Uh, uh, how they're going to have to change in order to do the producing. Here we have a president that's put us in a position where we're the number one producer in the world nationwide. Then we have in the state of Oklahoma a decision that changes uh, that. And so everyone is concerned about that. But I think in the final analysis, we have given them the date of the 21st of August to... uh, put together something where we can initiate some kind of legislation. That's being done now, not just with uh, legislators, and primarily people in the House, uh, but also in, in, in conjunction and cooperation with the uh, Indian population. And it seems that the, the two that I mentioned are probably a little bit less likely to enthusiastically move toward a, uh, a, 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 a solution in terms of passing something, changing the law. Senator James Inhofe with us today. Senator, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the agricultural uh, legislation that you've been involved with. Uh, you've got three bills that are of uh, great interest to our livestock industry, the pork producers of our state poultry as well, as well as a couple of uh, measures that could be very useful to the uh, the uh, beef cattle industry. Well, first of all, uh, we're concerned about that we've had a lot of conversation with the pork producers in, in Oklahoma and uh, because, you know, they have kind of unique problems, and, and particularly out in the panhandle. And as a result, we've uh, had a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the, the problems that we are, are dealing with, and we've located the 10 states that, uh, which are 
Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, North Carolina, Indiana, Oklahoma, Missouri, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Ohio. These are the top pork people, and we've kind of put together a pork group of states, are those 10 states. And what we're doing is, is uh, looking at the losses and how they can be prevented, and, uh, and, and of course the, the reduction in the processing uh, forces. Uh, so that we are in a position right now, we have some 400,000 market-ready hogs that are back uh, up there right now. But the situation is uh, getting better now. We talked to the Oklahoma Pork Council back in May and formed a coalition of these uh, 10 uh, companies since that time. So we feel uh, confident that good things are, are going on. We have... Um, in, in the cattle markets with the, uh, the, the down market and the cattle uh, prices due to the COVID thing, 19 industry expects, the, the COVID-19 uh, industry expects to see an uptick in livestock, dealer defaults, and in the coming weeks and, and months. Now, the historical bond claim data for the nine-week period from the beginning of March through the first uh, uh, week in, in May, there are, uh, there are 10 claims in that timeline. Now, what's that down? Down to one now? Yeah, that's dropped down to uh, one now. So we're making some uh, really headway in that, in that area. Now, we've got three, I've got three bills that would help Oklahoma ag industry recovery. And uh, this is, uh, we, we have, the first one would be called the Relief for Producers Act. Now, what that one is, is the, uh, the members and, uh, and the co-sponsors, Iowa and all the rest of the states, they're all co-sponsors of this legislation. It would do uh, primarily provide reimbursement for the producers that have to euthanize their hogs. And uh, uh, there's some 300 million to support vaccine development for uh, mitigation of foreign diseases spread in uh, swine hogs. So that's a specific amount that is there because of that exposure that they have with, uh, with uh, foreign uh, producers. It gives uh, the um, the Secretary of, of uh, the Ag the authority to deal with removal and disposal of livestock for any public health emergency moving forward. So we do quite a few things that are going to be helpful to the USDA. For example, the, the uh, Agricultural Security Risk Review Act, that's another one, the second one. We introduced this in uh, July. Uh, we introduced it with uh, Senator Tillis to protect uh, ag industry and hold countries like China accountable. Now, what it would do would be formally place the USDA secretary, secretary of the USDA, as a member of the Committee on Foreign Investment, known as CFIUS, and because they have not had any anyone with the, that that particular interest on that committee. CFIUS has done a good job, but they have not done a good job in this respect. That should change it. Ensures that CFIUS is operating effectively and efficiently to determine 
if um, a transaction including agriculture uh, threatens to impair the national security of the United States. So it, it just adds uh, the individual whose responsibility is primarily to make sure that happens as a member of the CFIUS uh, board. China trade is, uh, tra this, by the way, you have to, no one gives this president the credit that he should get because he's the first president since uh, since Reagan, and it was much less, Reagan did much less than this president does, to recognize China and to really take him seriously. Now, he's, uh, he has used tariffs to uh, leverage a, a better deal and the threats of tariffs, and so he has really done a good job. So China's phase one uh, of the deal reached and we're expecting two and three to be entered uh, into force, uh, probably in February, entered uh, in, in in the next few months. Uh, it's good for Aggies. China is to buy uh, forty billion dollars to fifty billion dollars worth of U.S. ag products, and and they're doing it. See, my my reluctance, and I talked to you about this a long time ago, was. You can't trust China. You can't believe anything that they say. Anything that they say they're going to do, they don't do. And so they specifically agreed at that time to buy a specific amount of, of ag products. And, uh, and, and that, was, that amount was between 40 and 50 billion. Well, they're on target to do that right now. So this, it's the first time uh, since uh, 2003 that the, the beef producers will have access to nearly all beef uh, producers. It includes reforms on intellectual property and financial services. Now that's all in the second legislation that we passed, that we refer to as the Agricultural Security Risk Review Act. And the third one is the SALE Act. And this uh, we introduced in March, and it's a, a dealer, a statutory trust it's the problem that everyone talks about and that they're concerned about that is that they are gives the the um, unpaid livestock sellers first priority in livestock and accounts receivable if the dealer defaults here before if the dealer defaults and the process of course is for the producers to sell to the dealer and they go to market but if they default that all came back on the well, this uh, is one that is, uh, gives the first priority to the uh, livestock uh, uh, producers. So uh, that's, a, that's essentially what we're dealing with on that one. The, 2000, the Farm Bill directed the USDA to conduct a study on establishing livestock dealer statutory trust, uh, and uh, the outcome of this study supported my bill. The, the, the sale act I just mentioned to you uh, is introduced with uh, Senator Smith and uh, other co-sponsors. We had quite a few. We had to go out and work for these. That's Barrasso, Blackburn, Bozeman, Capito, Cotton, Kramer, Danes, Enzi, uh, 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 Fisher, Grassley, Hoven, and uh, Hyde Smith. So we have really done uh, uh, our work and get most of these guys, as you know, are on the committee that I, that I chair, the Senate Armed Services Committee. 
So, uh, how a dealer trusts his assistants uh, with, with defaults, this, this pretty much addresses that, uh, that problem. Senator James Inhofe with us today on the road to rural prosperity. And more to come, more to talk about today with the senator in just a few moments. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. On the road to rural prosperity, I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for joining us today. Very happy to have along with us today the uh, Senior Senator for Oklahoma, Senator Jim Inhofe. Senator, let's talk a little bit about uh, CARES and HEALS. If we might couple of the coronavirus assistance packages, uh, CARES Act has been out for a while. A lot of money has come out. What are you, what are you hearing? Are you hearing some good things about uh, how that money is helping folks in Oklahoma? Well, it, it is now, and I say that because I've been out there and I've talked to them. And at first, it took them a long time before they saw any of that. But now that has corrected, and I think you find the same thing that I do, that it is reaching the, the uh, targets that they had. So I feel better about that. As for the HEALS Act, what, uh, what's going on? Uh, it's, it's in negotiation, and, and uh, the Democrats are playing hardball with this. And the provision that is in there that uh, uh, is, is controversial is that provision that was the 600 dollar uh, uh, offset and knocking that down to uh, $200. You might remember, and I remember you and, and me, we had talked about this, that one of the things that people didn't like about that first bill that came out is that people were actually making more, being paid more for not working than for working, right? And so uh, to, uh, to correct that problem, we wanted to bring that amount down because the areas where they're making more was the $600 as opposed to the uh, uh, to something smaller. And we have, uh, we're kind of sticking with. Senator, one of those measures that you worked on a lot back to the days when you were the chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee, WOTUS, the Waters of the U.S. Rule of President Obama and his EPA. Uh, President Trump has come in. He's basically repealed uh, WOTUS. He's now moved and actually got his his replacement for it, the navigable waters rule, in place. I know that you're very pleased to see this movement and uh, the uh, the ending of the old WOTUS. See, that was the first word of bill, Water Resources Development Act. We started paying attention to that because that's right after uh, Obama came out with the program that this, this issue of regulation of water in different states, and of course we're looking at Oklahoma, is one that is not gonna, should not be left in the hands 
of the state, and we need to have it, and, and, and we need to have, you know, the waters are, and, and put that in the federal jurisdiction. Well, that's not good, and, and I commented several times that even in our, uh, in the panhandle, in, in our arid parts of Oklahoma, that it was a, it, it's an issue that we all really care about, and we don't want the federal government making those determinations. The state can handle it and has successfully handled it in the past, but they, they didn't let go. They decided that they still wanted to do that. So when this president came, one of the things I mentioned to him, because I think people know that I've been recognizing a lot of people don't like the president. I do like him, and I like him because he's straightforward, and we can talk about things like this. And uh, and I, uh, I, was, I remember the conversation I had with him, you know, out in Panhandle, uh, the federal government doesn't eat, they've never been there. They don't know what the panhandle is, but they still want to do the uh, water regulation. And so our interpretation was, if they turn that over to the federal government, and they have just a, even a, 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 a rain, that's a temporary rain, that would be justification under the Obama plan to take that, that uh, jurisdiction over. So that had to be changed back from what he put in and that's one of the early things that, uh, that President Trump did. So that is no longer an issue, thank you, to our president and the state of Oklahoma doing a very good job that we've done in regulating the, the water in the state of Oklahoma. Senator, it is a year divisible by four. The president is up for re-election, and you are too. You're up for another six-year term uh, in the United States Senate. What, what's driving you? What, what's uh, got you uh, willing to serve one more term? Oh, well, there's, one, there, there's a major reason and several minor reasons, but the, the major reason is I chair what I've considered and most people consider to be the most significant committee in the United States Senate. And it's something that we uh, have gone through. Well, first of all, to back up a little bit, during the Obama administration, during the last five years, that would be 2010 to 2015, he reduced our, our uh, military funding by 25%. Now, <coughs> um, that's 25%. Now, at the same time that he was reducing our military spending by 25%, uh, Russia was increasing their spending by 34%, and China was increasing theirs by, by uh, 83%. Now, you stop and think about that. What the re- and the result of that was they moved ahead of us in many areas. They moved ahead of us in, hyper, well, in, in several of the systems that we use where they had better, uh, uh, better systems than we did. You know, I've gone through my whole life, ever since World War II, uh, saying that America really has the best of everything. That was true up until Obama came. You know, I don't really, I don't really criticize Obama so much because he never had uh, defense as one of his top priorities. But that put us in a position where we were threatened. Uh, we were facing a greater threat than we have historically uh, in, in, in the history of our country. So we had to start rebuilding our military. And we did. And this president worked hand in glove with us. And we now are into our third year of effectively changing that situation. But we're about two or three years ahead 
of getting back where we need to get. Hypertronics, uh, hypersonics is a good example. That's kind of the state of the art of a, of a system, a, a defense system, an offense system, where both China and Russia are ahead of the United States. And so what I wanted to be sure was that when I bail out of this thing, I want to make sure that we have the number one military and our, my 20 kids and grandkids are going to feel the kind of security that we felt before the Obama administration. Now, we're doing a lot of other things, too. If the, the two areas of my, uh, uh, my real interest are, first of all, the military, and secondly, the uh, uh, infrastructure. If you go back and read the document that nobody reads anymore, the Constitution, they say, that's what we're supposed to do. And so I'm, I want to be, be in a position. Now, a lot of people think, well, I don't chair the committee called Environment and Public Works anymore, but I, do ha I am the senior member on that committee, so I have the same influence that we had before. And that means we're going to have a Water Resources Board, uh, a, a bill is a major piece of legislation, and a highway bill that's following up on the FAST Act. Now, those are things where I am kind of in the leadership position on those issues. And then the third reason is my wife wanted me to. And you wonder about that. You know, we've been married 60 years, and yet for some reason she, uh, she really thought I ought to continue doing it primarily because of the two issues I mentioned, infrastructure and the military that I do, and I do very well, and I have a great pride in, and uh, the country needs it. Senator, maybe uh, one more reason? She'd like you maybe not to be in the House quite as much? <laughs> uh, maybe she does. <laughs> Kay, is, Kay is funny. She just has always enjoyed those areas because I don't do like a lot of people do. They come in and they want to be in, in on every issue, be involved on things, but there are those are the two issues, and I singularly singled those out many years ago when, uh, when I moved, well, it was 1994. In 1994, I decided what is it I need to concentrate on because I was going into a new committee, and I wanted to be sure that I ended up chairing that and getting into the leadership on those two issues. I did it. It's serving me well, and we're not through yet. Thank you, Senator. Senator Jim Inhofe, Senator Inhofe, our senior member of the Oklahoma Congressional Delegation, as he joins us today from Washington on the road to rural prosperity. On the road, I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, RuralProsperityOK.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.